0: Hello, and welcome to the It's Not Personal podcast, a podcast about making work more engaging, more fulfilling, and ultimately more human by taking the ego out of leadership. I am here with Ken Grady, a Fortune 500 CIO and business leader, as well as gentleman farmer and snappy dresser. And I'm here with Seth Rigoletti, my always
1: friend and often collaborator and co-conspirator. Seth is an executive and communications coach who's worked with a number of different organizations and whose superpower is helping people understand the difference between what's being said and what's being heard.
0: All right, welcome back, Ken. Hey, Seth, how are you doing? I am doing Okay, I'm ready to talk about discomfort, though.
1: (laughs) It's going to be an uncomfortable conversation.
0: You know, for those people who uh, are listening to this, you're probably... um, So we record these in the winter, and uh, just so everybody knows, like we just had the coldest little stretch of weather.
1: And when we say winter, and I think we've mentioned this before, but we're both based in Maine, and I I grew up in Atlanta, uh, lived in California, lived in Texas. I'm just saying it's a different kind of (laughs) experience. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was definitely uncomfortable in a whole different kind of way.
0: Yeah, my uh, my the pipes in my apartment froze. Oh, um, is not that fun? Yeah, the heat was still on, but the apartment below me, the heat wasn't working as well. And then the bathroom pipes froze, or the toilet froze. It was perfect. It was the toilet froze and the shower froze, but I could still use the sink. So you know, <laughs> I don't want to know how you use was, the sink in that, that circumstance. Really, <laughs> that was really helpful. Uh, speaking of discomfort. Um, and there's a, there's a thing that um, I'm I'm trying this thing that just speaking about the cold is uh, you ever heard of Wim Hof? No. He, it's like a he's like a guy who did this whole I don't know much about it. So if you're listening to this, you know maybe Google it. I don't know. But like the concept is like to get used to the cold, mm-hmm. and at the end of a shower, you um, you can practice this by turning it cold for the last like 30 seconds of the shower. And try to breathe like try to regulate your breathing through the cold it's really uncomfortable
1: (laughs) as i mentioned i grew up in georgia and no thank you very much my body does not want to get used to the cold i huddle up i had the fire going that was good my dog you know at my feet trying to stay warm through that but uh yeah no it's a whole different kind of uh but you know being uncomfortable in things i mean i've i've certainly done a lot of that from a physical not not the cold shower kind of routine but pushing myself running Pushing myself, you know, on the bike and those kind of things, and that's maybe that's a different kind of version. of so the, trying to the, push through the discomfort. The, yeah,
0: this is more about. Um, so that's a, that's a really good one. Those are those are both really good important things, but this is more just about um, getting your nervous system used to the the cold is sort of like his focus, but it's about kind of shocking your body into like letting it just breathe. Hmm. And so there's a lot of stuff that happens in comfort that makes it just when you know when we're comfortable all the time and like we, we live in a pretty comfortable world where um, you know we're not living on the streets we're not yeah. you know we we have this ability to yeah. to yeah we you know, the fire and the dog and yeah. the, like you have this ability to kind of have this comfort in this uh, comfortableness all the time and what it can do is it can get you way up in your head Yeah. You know, it gets you thinking a lot, which creates stress. Yeah. And this is about like trying to, and this is like a big fad right now cold plunges and things Mm -hmm. like that. Trying to get, trying to stress out your body in a way to relieve some of the pain or some of the difficulties in our mind and our thinking.
1: Well, I love that. And I think it ties into what we talked about in our last episode and what we wanted to talk about, what I wanted to talk about today, which is doing the same thing mentally. Mm. Right, because we talked last time around nonlinear career paths and how beneficial they can be from an organizational perspective, from a personal career journey perspective. But, you know, as I touched on in the, in the conversation, it could be really uncomfortable. <laughs> and it can be right. really difficult to take the step into the unknown or challenge yourself um, to try something that you, you don't know that you're good at right. or that you know you probably aren't good at yet. And that mental right. exercise, you know, and this is the thing, I think you could actually train yourself for this. Like you're training yourself for the cold experience <laughs> is you can, you can teach yourself to be comfortable in the discomfort, yeah. you, you know, and it comes through uh, trying a little bit at a time and doing it over and over trying it in different ways and doing it over and over. And I think for us as leaders, this is also something that we have to help teach our organizations and mm-hmm. the people, you know, that are that report to us or that we're growing and grooming. is how do you get there?
0: Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about what we even mean, right, yeah. by discomfort. But before we do that, let's just name something. Like if you're a leader, if you're a parent, mm. right, if you're somebody who's – Trying to run a company or run a department in a company, like you're going to be uncomfortable. There are going to be times when you're going to meet things that you did not expect. Mm. You know, whether it's you know exogenous, something like outside of the the company where it's like it's coming in and affecting you and making you feel like, oh no, we have to react to this threat or this thing, this change. Or it's something internal where it's like there's you know, somebody really important leaves the company or some big change or you don't you lose your funding or whatever the thing is that happens, you're gonna have difficulty. Mm. Right.
1: Well, especially if, you know, think about the theme of our, our whole season and the conversations we keep touching on over and over again is if you're a leader that's trying to create change mm. and you know, we've talked about being a subversive leader, trying right. to create change through example or through you know, not top down, but you're trying to create this change of culture or change of, of process or change of, you know, the dynamic, you're going to create some discomfort. You're going to be one of the ones and you're going to encounter it.
0: Yeah, both. You're both. are encounter both. It,
1: right? And your colleagues and your team and others are saying, oh my gosh, what are you trying to do right now? What we've mm-hmm. always done it a certain way. Mm-hmm. Why would I leave that comfort zone mm-hmm. of what I know works? Yeah. And you're saying, you know, in this case, you know, if you're thinking that there's a there's another way to do this. There's something we can add. There's something that we can take away to, to remove friction. That's an uncomfortable conversation you're creating with the organization because you're trying to create change.
0: Yes. Let me, yes, I love this. This is good. This is a good framework, you know, this idea of that com- discomfort and comfort being these not opposing forces so much, but it's like you have to work with them them both, yeah. right? There's. Three kinds of discomfort I'm just going to put on the table here for our discussion. One is um, what we would just call the physical, right? It's just physically uncomfortable, whether it's a cold shower or the cold weather or, you know, there's something changed in in the environment in which you work. And then there's, like, the the psychological or the mental discomfort, the discomfort we feel that we think, like, this is hard, Mm. right? Every time you get on the spin bike, every time... You're gonna do something that you've never done before. There's this discomfort, this fear, this all this stuff that comes up in the thoughts of how we think about it, and then there's the discomfort we feel, like we emotionally yeah. feel, right? And that these three things, if we can understand it, as we talk about organizational stuff, organizational change, personal change, growth, all this stuff, let's let's just keep in mind. These three buckets and which one yeah. is are we dealing with it?
1: And I think it's even it's important to recognize and name it, you know, as a leader. So again if I if if you're trying to create change and you're encountering resistance, one of the first questions to ask is why? Why are folks Ooh. resistant to this? Boy, that is
0: such a brave question. Yeah. Because 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 what we ask that question usually yeah. and we usually answer it.
1: Yeah, we <laughs> do. Sometimes we think, well, just because they're being stubborn, you know? they're just, just being a jerk. They're just 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 being, being a jerk.
0: They're afraid. They're yeah. da
1: Well, and if you can get to that, they're afraid. Well, what are they afraid of? Well, they're uncomfortable. There's a, there's a change that's being required or being asked that's creating the discomfort because you're asking people to do something new. And why, you know, again, what's the motivation to do something new if you if you're if you're sure that the way we've always done it around here. Right, will continue to deliver the same results. Why would you try something new and put themselves at the risk of failure, or the risk yeah. of embarrassment? You know, if you get to the feeling, or the risk of discomfort in some way. Right, and it's so this is this harder. Is, it's harder, right. right? Right. So I think as a leader, this is one of the things that we always have to be sensitive to: is that we are going to ask people to be uncomfortable. Well, so
0: one of the things, and this this is actually a theme through a lot of our talks. You when you were like why and you started off being really curious yeah like oh they're afraid i wonder why they're afraid mm. like, afraid of what like that curiosity is i mean for those of you who listen to this podcast you know that the it's not personal concept is really around you know when we take things in through our ego we automatically assume we understand what everything is that this is about me Right, that this is about this is this person is attacking me. This person is criticizing me. But when we stay curious, we get we get really more open, right? We can get more open and be like, Hey, what is going on here? What is actually happening?
1: Yeah, and if we just keep it, if we keep it within this framework about you know, if you if you're taking it in through your ego and you're getting upset, you're probably transferring some of that discomfort on yourself. Oh <sighs> God, right? Because you're you're I'm uncomfortable now that you're resisting the thing that I'm trying to do, and so now after flip the question around not only why are you reacting the way or why are they reacting the way they are, why am I reacting the way I am?
0: That's, that is, wow. Okay, so let's say that again.
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, when we flip the, when I first ask, why are they reacting this way when I'm trying to create change? Oh, well, they're uncomfortable. If I take that as an attack, a lack of support, Mm. uh, something that I'm, a confrontation, now I'm in a point of discomfort. And I have to ask myself,
0: why do I feel that this is uncomfortable? Right, right, and that's a lot of work. I mean, I'm just going to say, like, there is, there is a an invitation here. In all of these podcasts, there's always an invitation. Like, if it's if it's the the you know, hey, maybe not the straight and narrow career path. Maybe like you know, find a way through yeah. it. Like, you might not be, it might not be a straight line. Well, okay, but you're going to have to actually think about what you're doing. Yeah. You have to think about choices that you're making. Not not am I going to work out, but is this what I want to do? Yeah. And what do I really want here? Is this something I'm interested in? And the same thing with this, right? I have to be curious about what actually is happening to me. And every bit of my being, every bit of my psyche is going to be like, no, no, no. I just want to like – if I am um... – Trying to barrel through change. Yeah. Like, I'm not paying attention to why are you having your reaction, and I'm not paying attention to the fact that I'm having a reaction. Yeah. I just try to push through it. Does that work? Yeah. If you try to force change through, and this
1: is, this is oh, I've seen this so often. And a lot of times, especially when you have organizational or hierarchical power you know, in your title, you can just try and push through. Mm. And you can get some really unexpected results that way. Yeah.
0: Lie. Like what?
1: Right, you know, uh, either encountering a resistance or just people ignoring it, yeah, you know I've seen this so often it's just so I know you wanted me to do you know I, well we got the the new memo on how we were going to do this, but let's just keep doing it the old way, yeah, because you know uh, they don't really know what they're talking about, right, and so you encounter this resistance because there wasn't a, an initial thought of how are people going to absorb this change, and this is why I think that the subversive leader approach can be so powerful. Mm. Because so often, it's not a mandate that we're setting. It's an example. Right. So that rather than pushing for the change, right. you're demonstrating the change. Yeah, and people can look at the new pattern and uh, avoid the discomfort of it, because they could see the example. Right. That's right. But it requires you to put yourself out oh,
0: there. You have to be vulnerable in that moment. Yeah, yeah,
1: you do. And you have to be willing to say, you know, to explain your rationale, explain your reasoning when asked often going to happen. And be
0: curious about people's resistance. I mean, I think this is something, you know, Gestalt practice, this psychology practice of Gestalt talks a lot about this, like looking at the resistance that you Mm. experience from other people in in the group, a lot of group work there. And there's a lot of information, especially in moments of change, there's a lot of information happening when you look at where people are resisting and why why they think they're resisting. And I'm going to frame it that way because... If I just say this is why they're resisting, I'm going to have a pat answer. I'm going to have like a simple answer yeah. that is really just based on an assumption. Yeah. But if I get them thinking, if I get them expressing why they think they're they're resisting, I get so much rich information. Yeah. Right?
1: A lot of opportunity to, <clears> and then, you know, having to be comfortable in your in your setting aside those assumptions, updating your assumptions and absorbing that information and incorporating it in and again, this requires a bit of vulnerability to say, I got new information. I need to change my approach yeah. to, you know, leading this change.
0: Right. So so let's talk a little bit about <clears throat> change and growth mm. on a personal level, Ken. Like, you know, when whenever, at least for me, whenever I'm trying to grow, <clears throat> whenever I'm in a situation where I'm trying to grow, or whenever I'm feeling like I'm in a growth moment, it's pretty painful. Yeah. Like, I would like to avoid this part. Yeah. You know, especially when I think, I mean, the most obvious ones I can think of are like being a teenager and, you know, sort of trying to grow into being an adult and how uncomfortable I felt all the time. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like the easiest one. But every time I have taken a step, to living a more authentic life, living a more independent life, being more accountable to my own self. Every single time I've done that, I've had to break some old patterns. I've had Mm -hmm. to change some thoughts some beliefs I've had. And that has always left me feeling really kind of exposed and and, and and it's caused a lot of pain. Like it's painful to do that kind of growth.
1: Yeah, I I remember at one point in my career, I've told a couple of career stories along the way, but there was a point in my career where I was at a large, uh, global pharmaceutical company, mm. and it was great. I really enjoyed it, enjoyed the work, enjoyed the team. I had a very successful career. Uh, I was on planes traveling to and from Europe and other places, you know, on a regular basis, and and had the opportunity to have impact. I was getting recognized. I got an award, mm. you know, um, and I decided to make a change because yeah. I felt like the, my momentum and velocity was great, but it wasn't quite in the direction that I wanted, mm. to put it that way. And I, so I ended up, and I wanted a different experience. I'd been there for like 12 years, but I felt like I was in this pattern. It's this very yeah. comfortable yeah. pattern. And I had the opportunity to someone call, a recruiter call and present an opportunity for a much, much smaller organization. I mean I was going from an organization leading hundreds of people to leading a couple of dozen. Yeah. And you know, I, there were lots of reasons why I felt like that was the time to change. One, I was I was on a plane all the time, so I wasn't with my family. I had young children. You know, that left that was some trade-offs that I wasn't enjoying. My family certainly wasn't enjoying. Um, as I said, there was just a different environment. It was closer to the research end of things, and I really wanted to, I really, I personally enjoy the science behind, you know, the industry I'm in and things. I wanted to, the chance to work with that. And I just felt like it was the time for a change, and, and like I said, I have just gotten this global award from, you know, my organization, and I, I said, I'm, I'm going to go make a change. And, and I did. I left, and I, I joined the other organization, a very, very interesting unique uh, little corner of the industry. Uh, in biotech and um, about two months into it I remember I was driving back and forth. I had a yeah, hour long drive. It was in the Boston area and uh, I thought to myself, Oh my God, yeah, what did I do?
0: Yeah, I love that moment. That moment is such a big moment, right? I,
1: I really I I called home and I was like I, I think I think I made a mistake. Yeah. And you know, it was a little bit of <laughs> too late now. Yeah. So suck it up. And, um, and the reasons I was in that moment of discomfort was because I had put myself in this place where I had all this credibility in my old job in my, with, my old, with that organization. I had built, I'd spent, like I said, a dozen years building up right. credibility, building momentum in a direction. And okay, sure, maybe I didn't enjoy every part of my job, but I put myself in this place where I had to reestablish my credibility. Yeah. I had to build from scratch all the connections you know, with the organization, with my team. I had put myself in a place where I didn't have the ready resources and I had to think about what it was going to take to add those resources again. I mean, I was just, I was doing it all from scratch. Yeah. And it felt exhausting. And, you know, I felt like I had put, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe this doesn't build my career. Maybe mm. I put my career at risk. Mm. And okay, so I'm just gonna say, you know, I talked myself and off the ledge, and my wife helped me off the ledge. Just said, okay, we're in this together. Let's, you know, we're in this now. What are we doing? And I, I figured out how to work with a couple of key folks to start with, mm-hmm. and again, rebuild that credit and very rapidly. By the right. way, got through this and out the other side, and was feeling good. And oh yeah, this is why I took this this mm-hmm. new job. And oh yeah, this is a lot of fun to learn. And kind of yeah, but I had to really embrace that change that I was putting myself through and examine why am I scared right now? Why am I nervous?
0: And what, do I, what can I do about that? You know what I bet? Mm. I bet you, when you think about that moment in time, and you think about that, that how scary it was, and all the change, and all the things you had to do, think about how alive you felt. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, you know, right? I was very aware that I was right. alive. It was. It, I mean, that's the thing about, we, 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 when we talk about comfort a lot of times, at least from my perspective, when I am talking about comfort, I'm usually talking about a kind of there's sort of a numbness to it. Like mm. it's like it's like I don't really want to be I don't want to be jostled. I don't want to be, you know, when I say uncomfortable, like I don't want to jump in the lake
1: because yeah. I'm
0: sitting here and I'm enjoying. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying your time yeah. on the beach or whatever, but there's a thing about when you jump in the lake, you feel so alive. You might be cold, If you're in Maine, you might be cold, but like you, you, it's like it's like you you know your whole body's alive. Well,
1: I knew that in that moment, in that change, when I kind of said, "Okay, what is it that's making me scared?" I had to use every muscle in my brain and in my heart to figure out how I was going to, you know, work through this. Mm, Right. And so, to and I think in that description, you know, I think. the way you were talking about comfort there we can get into this comfort zone where we're just on autopilot and we're not really using all of our thoughts and brain and you know kind of all of our experience all the time to better ourselves or the the process or the outcome right because right? we kind of have this we kind of have this cycle we have this comfort zone we're,
0: totally. we're good
1: you know we know that we'll just do it again and and you don't have to really think too much and sometimes you want to be thinking about something else you're using half your brain to think about you know you're daughter's application to college, and so you don't want to have to like be distracted by these things. But as a long-term, as a long-term place to be, if you get into that comfort, if you let yourself, I really believe this, if you let yourself just be comfortable, you, you're not going to produce the same quality of output or outcome. Yeah.
0: Or growth. Or growth. You're just not going to get growth. Look, every company that's a growth-oriented, you know this, you work in a growth-oriented company, every company that's a growth-minded company mm. is uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like, there's no, you know, there's there's no point where you're, you're like, no, this was good. This yeah. was enough. This was enough. Right? It's always like, no, we could do better. Yeah. Right? And that... When we think about that, like personal, and we'll talk about the organizational stuff in a minute, but that personal growth mindset, you know, we talk about that sometimes. Like, like it's people talk about growth mindset or personal growth mindset. Like it's, you know, like it's eating, you know, oranges in the morning. Like it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Like you're choosing day over day to lean into your edge. And that is exhausting. Yeah. There are times when you're just like, you know, what I would like to just help my daughter with her application, or I'd like to just, you know, maybe work on this puzzle for a little bit, right. or I'd like to do a little gardening, like right. whatever the thing is you've got. But that alive feeling, that that feeling of being alive, like I just want to really bring this back home to the the people listening, like. Are you, do you go through a week of work? Do you go through a week in your life or a day? And do you ever feel alive? And I'm going to tell you something. If you've ever felt uncomfortable, if you felt uncomfortable at work, if you felt uncomfortable in your life, you were alive in that moment. You weren't numbed out. Now, what you do with that, this is what you were saying earlier, yeah. right, Ken? What you do with that is really important because a lot of us just go to sleep. Yeah, love is like I'm uncomfortable. I'm gonna be mad at this person. Right. I'm gonna like throw a tantrum. I'm gonna disappear. I'm gonna like pout. I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do whatever I can to not be in this moment.
1: Yeah, to push myself back into the comfort area to push you out, right? To resist. Yes. And push myself back into because it can be. And again, I, I I think even in those moments, and this is where you're receiving the discomfort. I talked about a. a, a Personal choice to create some discomfort in my own career. And sometimes, you know, others can inflict discomfort
0: on you. How many people have you, do you know who have, who are excellent at their work, but have been let go? Yeah. Right. One way or another. Yeah. Right. And, and that's uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's talk about uh, a blow to the ego. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I know early days in my career, I mean, I'm dating myself, but back in the dot com boom and bust right you know the small startup i was working for like we shut we shuttered our doors and i was one of the last ones out the door right but we failed right we failed as yeah. a company we didn't do we didn't succeed and we didn't go through there. and lots of other companies have experienced that it wasn't you know i didn't take it personally i mean wait time, how many but,
0: startups actually make it right? yeah
1: right you no know, i didn't take it that personally but it still was a scary moment and I, again i'll go back to that moment because that was actually and i i look i i consider myself grateful for all the blessings and opportunities that I've had uh, throughout my career and life. Um, but that was actually when that dot com company shut down. That was when I moved into the industry that I stayed in for the rest of my career, mm. into the life mm. sciences and wow. healthcare. Oh. And so I went back on that moment, not knowing, and it did not always work out this way, but it, that, for me in that moment, it actually prompted me to think about the industry I wanted to work in, kind of the type of work I wanted to do. Because yeah. before that in my career, and that was early days in my career, before that I was just taking jobs because, you know, it was a good paycheck. Yeah. But that actually prompted me to think about the type of work I wanted
0: to do. This is such a good distinction. So so in, in the Taoist way of thinking, the Tao Te Ching, the Lao Tzu's um, book of, like, Poems and like little sayings that to help uh, leaders figure out how to manage themselves and manage life. You know, he talks a lot about this idea of like working with rather than against. Yes, you know, and Uh, like believe in us, and and this is so powerful. Like, okay, if you're following what you think you should do, Mm. you think you should do something. You think you should work in a certain industry. You think you should work, you know, in a certain profession, and it's constantly hard yeah it's always hard like emotionally and and physically difficult I don't mean like it's hard like you're working construction I mean like getting up in the morning and thinking about going to work right if mm. you are if you are a a uh, white collar worker and you are feeling that right you are probably not f- working with you are probably working against
1: yeah I want to take us down a little bit of a path and then I'm going to take this back to the organizational discomfort yeah uh, but I want to tell a story, just a brief story first. My stepfather, who I, I'm, again, very fortunate, we have a, a wonderful mm. uh, relationship. And I remember him telling me a story. He used to be a plant manager at American Can a uh, long time ago. And he said he got to the point where he hated that job so much. He drove into work and he just drove right past. Wow. And he said, that's when I knew that I needed to take a different path. And that's when he, he actually went out and you know started carpentry and construction. Uh, general contracting, et cetera. So it was very much that. But you said something that I think, like I said, I'm gonna take us down a little path and about working with, not against. And I really believe in this because a lot of times I've heard managers, I've had managers tell me, know your strengths and weaknesses, and then we're gonna create a plan to work on your weaknesses. Right. So I agree with the first part of that statement. Yeah. Know your strengths and weaknesses. and I really think it's important that you know your strengths and weaknesses. And I'm not saying don't have, you know, don't think about your weaknesses and work on them. But I always advise people to work with their strengths. Right. To put themselves in places where they can take advantage of their strengths. You know, if you got a great forehand in tennis, oh, my God, I'm using a sports ball metaphor. Try and put yourself in front of the ball so you can use a great forehand stroke.
0: You know, the, the thing I, th- I thought about when you were talking about this, I thought about the military. Funny, mm-hmm. you know, interestingly enough, like, can you imagine if the military was like, okay, we did this, like, you know, because they do those assessments and they figure out, like, what your yeah. strengths and weaknesses. Are. Imagine if they were like, okay, here are all your weaknesses. We're going to put you in those roles. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: right. And so this – You're is
0: a poor marksman. We're going to make you a sharpshooter. So
1: this is – so I'm going to bring us back into the discomfort and the leadership part of this and the organizational discomfort because I'm always I always think about with my team, who's got what strengths on my team? How do I move them into roles that we can actually take advantage of those strengths? You know, if I have somebody who's a great operational leader, I want to help them because the momentum they're going to create out of this, and they're going to have natural opportunities to do other things around the edges, but we're going to start with their strengths because that's going to create confidence, right? and that confidence is going to allow them to navigate through the discomfort more effectively.
0: And you're trying to, I mean, I imagine these people you're talking about, they're also, you're trying to like ignite a little ambition in them as well. Yeah. and with the ambition this is just to tie it all together the ambition there's there is a, a desire for more so yeah. they'll get they'll get in this area where they'll start to get express their strengths and and they'll get really good at it and mm-hmm. then and then you're going to they're going to get a little like uh, what's next right right what's next and what's next is a path towards leadership and leadership is going to make them uncomfortable. It's going to have to improve their communication, their mm-hmm. presence, their ability to connect, build relationships, wherever they are. in that. But, but by
1: putting them, and this is, again, the subversive part, but by, by putting them in these roles where they create confidence, Yeah. you create ambition, yes. and you create comfort in managing through yes. the uh, uncertainties.
0: Yeah, I, don't, I wonder if it's that you create it or that you, like, enable. feed it. You feed, feed it. it. Like you just oh, go, it. yeah. Yeah, you
1: feed that confidence through this. And if you just think about, like, I want to move, you know, and, and I'm talking about when you're changing, when you're, when you're thinking about uh, moving somebody into a new role, right, in these cases. And you look at those, you examine those strengths uh, that they have that you can take advantage of, that they can take advantage of, and you move them in those directions. It's really led to some interesting moments in my career, in my team's career, where, because you might be suggesting something they haven't even thought of yet. Ah, right. You said, but no, you're a great, you know, you're a great lean manager. You can lean things out. Like, you're a great simplifier of of complex processes. I've got some complex processes over here I want you to go take, you know, uh, take a stab at. Or you're a really great planner, and I need you to help the organization plan their way through this massive change, right? We're going to take you out of your current role and bring you over here because you can help us manage the 1,001 details that we're going
0: to do. So this is so brilliant. Like, it just this is a little bit off topic, but the, what you're talking about is this seeing the value that somebody has, mm-hmm. that someone is bringing, and then finding places to put the value there. Like, yeah. like it, it's such a brilliant way of managing people for, you said, to their strengths, but also just letting them express their, their value in a way that's actually helpful for the organization, Right? Whereas most of the time we're like, you are deficient in these ways, right. and we're gonna put you in this situation so you learn how to do these things. Right, and it always feels just so punitive, and, <laughs> and like it always
1: feels like you're setting someone up for failure. Almost, exactly. As well, opposed i to setting them up for success.
0: I, I I think that's right. So like just coming back to this discomfort thing, like when I when I was and I think I've talked about this before. When I was a teacher at, and I taught writing, and in one of the things that I would always look for was I would look for the discomfort. I would try to f- create that in the class. Yeah. But what I didn't want to as I didn't want it just to be hard. Yeah. Like I, th- I always I have this I have this like real um strong feeling for teachers who just make stuff hard. Mm. I don't like it. I think it's <laughs> I just say, name that I it's just like it's like a such a it's such an ego-driven thing. You like to watch them suffer because yeah. it makes it feel like you're smart. And I think that I see managers do that. I see executives do that, where they just have everybody running around, trying to solve impossible problems. Because then they could be like, "I can't believe you guys couldn't solve this problem, yeah. right?" I had a, there was a math teacher in seventh grade. I remember Mr. Dubois. who used to be like, he used to ask these questions, and he would, and I didn't, I didn't know anything. So I would be like, "I don't know the answer to the question." He's like. Can't believe you don't know the answer to the question. He'd pull the answer out from behind him, and he'd tell him. And then he'd like, and now we're gonna learn how we got that answer. And I'm like, that is not helpful. Just start there. Just start there. <laughs> start teaching us. And and what I would look for, the kind of discomfort I wanted, was the kind where the kids were were trying to understand something the way that they'd always understood it, and it wasn't working. Mm. I want you to feel frustrated that the way that you do something isn't working for the thing I'm asking you to do so that then you can kind of crack open a little bit and you can start to say, is there another way? And then we can start talking about the other way. I want that because no change happens. You know this organizationally. Change does not happen culturally within an organization unless there's some force, unless people start feeling frustrated and agitated.
1: Well, I think, I think where you were describing and what I was trying to describe you know, when I said I want to move people into these roles that leverage their strength to help them grow, what you were talking about about helping them you know, yeah. change the way they approach the problem, is how do we as leaders create the right kind of constructive discomfort? Right. There's good discomfort. Right. And that's a different thing. That, you know, there's, there's good discomfort, there's bad discomfort. The good discomfort is the discomfort of growth. Yeah,
0: generative,
1: right? It's right. like it's creating, it's creative, right? The bad discomfort, and we can easily you describe some some teachers and some managers we've all yeah. experienced, where you're just doing it in kind of a punitive or a thoughtless way,
0: or 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 a way that is very. I'm going to say, so we use the word creative, we use the word generative. We're we're punishing people really, or we're making people uncomfortable. To give us the illusion of control so like there's an outcome it's sort of like there's w- only one answer i want it's like i hate those questions yeah. where but there's only one answer for it and i'm making everybody guess and then i'm just going to tell you the answer it's like that's not, not no one learned anything there. oh
1: i think we've all had experience with leaders managers that you know let the team discuss and then at the end tell the leader the just answer. tells them the answer right and like that is just not the kind of team or organization that, that, frankly, I've ever wanted to be a part of. That I want to be a part of. It's
0: not collaborative. It's, it's not generative. No, not,
1: and I always get the feeling that that person just wants to be the smartest person in the room.
0: Absolutely. And right. we talked
1: about the fact that if you're, if you consistently find yourself to be the smartest person in the room, find a better room. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think that's a, it's a very ego-driven approach. Um, and it's not one that is helping your organization grow.
0: So talk about talk about. We did a whole thing on break, breaking the frame in your in your organization. We did a whole thing about culture. Oh God, change. wasn't that uncomfortable? Yeah, that was so uncomfortable, <laughs> right? <laughs> I was the one leading it. I know. It was, what what? Tell us talk about the kind of discomfort you were looking for for the team. Tell us.
1: Yeah. So you know as, as. We've said before, you know, I lead a technology organization, a typical IT organization. You know, uh, well, I think we're atypical, but uh, well, get, than but, not. Let's but actually, we didn't let, start that way. We, 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 we let's, you know, frame, kind of,
0: let's frame up what is, what are some assumptions, what are some stereotypes about IT departments that you were trying to work against?
1: Yeah, the stereotypes in a lot of organizations, uh, big or small, um, is IT is back office. Mm. IT, you know, we help desk, keep the phones working we install software when people ask us to right you know we kind of we we follow the organization and we were a reactive organization Mm. um reacting to the needs of the organization you know and and there can be i'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong there's lots of organizations where that's what they need uh from an operational would
0: you say would you say it's like a service department very much a service i think
1: a lot of organizations consider it a cost center and a service department and you want to spend as little as possible on it, you know, enough to get the job done, but you want to spend your money and your energy elsewhere and your creativity comes, doesn't come from IT, not in the stereotype. Right. Um, And when I joined the organization and you and I started working together, the very first thing we did was this this series of workshops that we called Breaking the Frame Mm. because we wanted to break the frame of reference. Yes. That this typical stereotype was because I even saw it, and at least within certain, not, not all by any stretch of the imagination, but and this was several years ago, but I even saw it almost a self fulfilling prophecy. Mm. Like there were people in the organization that had been there a while, that's how they saw themselves. Right. Quite frankly, we're a service organization and you know, we, we do what we can, and when you ask us, we'll do a thing. And I said, no, we've got to break out of that thinking. And this was really some uncomfortable conversations because I said, what if we're leaders? What if we're business people,
0: not just yeah. technologists? So when you say it's uncomfortable, and this this is just from my perspective, mm. I, I I saw people – so there's, there's this thing that says, like, it, you, it's really hard to imagine anything different from what you've already experienced.
1: I got a lot of side-eye yeah. when we started that from yeah. the organization, from my own team, not yeah. not the others, not other functions within the organization, but from my own team. I got right. a lot of – skepticism because there was and here's where the skepticism came from number one they hadn't seen themselves that way yeah number two they weren't sure that others could see them that way see us that way right. and so there was this internal skepticism and the skepticism of others acceptance so
0: i would give uh, this comes to the th- the three different kinds of discomfort the mm-hmm. thinking kind of discomfort i think was that um they had this idea of themselves. They had defined themselves. Mm. And, and, and they also had defined the rest of the organization. Yeah. And they had set limitations on what was possible yeah. in that relationship. And you were asking them – this is the breaking the frame. You were asking them to actually break that frame of reference mm-hmm. and make it bigger. Yeah. You know, What if – what if – you know, that relationship could be different. What if it could be more collaborative? What if you could bring more value? What if they asked for more value? Like, what would that be like?
1: Well, and then there was the emotional discomfort. There you go. Yeah. Of yeah. Feeling, uh, two, I think it was twofold. One is, that sounds hard. Yeah. Right. Like, that sounds like a lot of work. Right. So there's this, this fear of the work. And two was the fear of rejection. That, they were, that there was real fear that the rest of the organization wouldn't be able to accept us right. acting differently,
0: and then there was this physical piece, mm. which is like I'm probably going to have a hard time like really defining this as actually physical, but there was it's just messy. Yeah, like it's like it's you, when it's you're metaphorically de- physical. Well, I mean, like when you're dealing with IT, I mean, just making decisions about the technology, and you enter into conversations with the different businesses about. What are they what are their actual needs? Hmm. Like what are they really trying to solve for? It's much easier it's much cleaner by the way. Just be like, What do you need? Yeah. You know, right. you need this. We will we will deliver Here's that a form to, you. to fill out. Right. Here's a form to fill out. We will we will make all the decisions and then we'll deliver it to you. And then whether or not you actually use it, whether or not you actually see any value in it, whether or not you actually even like want to pay for it, like whatever the thing is, yeah. like it doesn't matter. We did what we said we would do.
1: Yeah. By the way, I think, you know, my example is leading a global software organization. I've seen this in a lot of organizations in a lot of different uh, from a lot of different points of view. Mm-hmm. I've seen marketing organizations not feel they're trusted by their sales colleagues. Right. I've seen R&D teams not feeling like nobody understands what it is they do, you know, mm-hmm. and how hard it is to deliver. I've seen clinical organizations you know not trust the tech transfer into manufacturing so this is I think this is a lot more common than we think it is I mm-hmm. think we we all we tend to think that my organization is the only one that feels it or my part of the organization is the only one that feels Yeah, this matter way. fact we I'm all really feel
0: true. we all feel this way yeah like everybody I mean every anyone has ever been married everyone's <laughs> ever been like in you know a parent or a kid like you feel like I don't feel understood yeah I don't feel understood and so
1: the, as, as leaders aspiring leaders our listeners you know I think um This is the opportunity is to think about how do you, number one, address the uncomfortable part of yourself to lead the organization through this. You know, what's scary about this? How am I going to get through it? Right? What do I need? Uh, What support do I need? What relationships do I need, et cetera? And then how do you set the organization up for this good discomfort? It yeah. leads to growth.
0: Right. So you, there it's discomfort. This is getting back to my point about the teaching, right? It's discomfort that is for a specific purpose. Yeah. We want to get better. Yeah. Right. And it is uncomfortable whether you're you're running or you know, whether it's exercise that you're trying to do or it's a skill, you know, based on learning guitar or piano, or or it's something more like organizationally Like we want to be more efficient. We want to be uh, more creative. We want to be more collaborative. It's uncomfortable.
1: Well, and just like you started with your cold showers, which by the way, I don't think I'm going to ascribe to. to
0: you you no. never know. You never
1: know. <laughs> Maybe it's, I'll try it once, you know. You have
0: to do it. You have to do it at least five times before you start noticing it. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah.
0: But the point being, uh, and actually to that
1: point, with all of this, thing, it's a skill set. As much as anything else, it's a skill set that you can actually train yourself in your organization is to name the discomfort, Yeah, recognize whether it's good or bad. Is this a healthy discomfort or an unhealthy discomfort that we're experiencing right now? And you can actually get better at navigating it. And I talked about you know, creating confidence and creating momentum and creating opportunity. You know, those are all things that help you because you, you know if you're part of a growth organization, yeah. you will have these moments. And so sure. you have to, I think... Thinking about how to set the organization and the individuals within the organization up to have the confidence, momentum, and trust in themselves and those around them to navigate it when they come is so important and 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 really subversive.
0: And subversive, <laughs> right? And, and, to, and to actually create kind of a speaking. culture. Yeah, yeah to have, create a culture where we want to lean into that, right? Yeah. We want to lean into that. We want to find these places. I mean, look. It's not about trying to do this perfectly. It's just about being able to communicate with each other and say where, where are we get, where are we getting, where's a blind spot for us? Mm. You know, where are we getting kind of soft? Where are we getting a little too comfortable? Mm. You know, I've said to leaders sometimes where, I said, tell me a part of your organization you're not worried about, mm. and they tell me like what they're not worried about, and I was like, that's going to be in your blind spot, <laughs> right? Yeah. Not not because I know, right? But because you're not looking at that part. You're not thinking about that part. You're not, you're like, you're. that part is just running automatic. And when that happens, we stop asking ourselves, what? how am I inviting this group? How am I inviting this part to be better? How am I looking? It's like, if I think, well, you know, I'm really good at languages. I don't have to work on my languages. Or I'm really good at exercise. I don't have to work on my exercise. Well, guess what? Like six weeks from now, I'm going to be like, why am I so out of shape? Or why am I like, <laughs> there's this thing we have to keep in mind, Right.
1: Yeah, and I think for, for those of us with leadership responsibility, you know, the constant checking on uh, the blind spots, what's, what's, what am I not – I love the question, what am I not worried about? Um, you, you, at, you posed that question just now, and I went through my own inventory of what right. I'm not worried about today. Right. Right? It doesn't
0: mean it's a problem. No. It doesn't mean it's a problem. It just means it's in the blind spot, yeah. right?
1: And it might mean that I'm not giving that part of the organization, to your point, the challenge and opportunity to grow and right. that might be a future headwind for me because they won't be totally. able to respond in the moment of need. Like I said this is actually where you know you're going to encounter these moments of discomfort in an organization and you need th- those parts of the organization as well to be able to pivot and respond.
0: Yeah. And and just to kind of you know sort of pick a big picture again, the, the, I think it's important to remember that Pain is inevitable. Like it's going right. to happen one way or another. So it's just a question of how you choose it. And you know, if you if you want to, like I do that. Um, I do this this ride. I, we talked about this last year, but I do this ride every almost every summer called the Pan Mass Challenge, which right. raises money for Dana Farber. Uh, if you want to support Dana Farber, you can always look up look me up and give me money to uh, give to Dana Farber. It's a it's a great uh, uh, it's a great fundraiser, um, but it's a 192 miles in two days. We mm-hmm. ride from Sturbridge, uh, all the way in Massachusetts, Sturbridge all the way to Provincetown, and when, I I hate training for it, I hate it, <laughs> and like the training's hard. And I tell my when when I'm in a good mindset, and this is important, when I'm in a good mindset. Every day I go out and it's hard, I tell myself I'm just taking some of the pain away from the day that I actually have to do right, the ride. Right. And last summer, I didn't have enough time to train, and boy, was that ride painful. <laughs> it was so painful. And I thought about that pain, and I thought about, wow, there really is no way out. Yeah. There's no way out.
1: No. That's, that's the piece where if we can get ourselves, if we can create acceptance within ourselves and acceptance right. as, a, as a leader and as an organization— that there are gonna be these moments. There's gonna be, and you, and you, you almost want to invite those moments, I, I'm gonna the s- right moments.
0: I'm gonna say this to the like, audience. Like, if you're if you're sitting there right now and you're thinking like, I'm pretty comfortable, I don't need to do any of this stuff. Yeah, you stuff. guys like, sound yeah. Right, like you guys sound crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna say like, you know, maybe you should, maybe you should actually, maybe you could actually ask yourself, what would it be like if I had a bigger life? What would it be like if I were more of a leader? Maybe you don't see yourself as a leader, mm. right? What if you were a leader? What would be some places where you could grow? What would be some things you could do to stretch yourself?
1: I'll tell you, I had one leader on my team uh, I worked with for many, many, many years, and she is brilliant um, Mm. at lots of things. But one thing that she was persistently uncomfortable with was when a meeting or a conversation went off script. Mm. And, you know, we all do this. I do this. Oh, I'm so guilty of this. I pre-script things in my head. Yeah. Like I know what I want to say, how I want to say it. I know what you're going to say in my head, right? And then I come into the meeting and you might have something completely different to say. You might take the conversation in a very different direction, especially in a group meeting, you know. And she was always, I could tell she was uncomfortable because, because her method was taking in the information, needing to process it. And then coming back later. But there's a lot of leadership that happens in, on the fly, like in the moment. And I talked to her about this. And I was so impressed with her response because we talked about it. said, so I think this is going to be um, a blocker for you. And I know I just talked a lot about setting people up with their strengths. But I, I told her, I said, I think this is going to be a blocker for you. So we have to think about uh, how do we set you up? so that you have the chance for this and one of the things she did that's so impressive is she went and signed up for improv classes
0: yeah oh so brave so brave
1: i was like i wow so brave that's amazing and she took her brilliance at data processing and the analytical mindset and planning and she layered into that this this little bit of additional practice at the communications on the fly and she gets so much more comfortable with the yes and yeah. and all of the techniques she learned in improv oh and by the way she really had a good time with it which yeah, so is right, amazing right. but it was so brave and i was just so impressed how she took her strings and she she added a little bit to it and uh she continued to continues to thrive uh, yeah too, so. but i was I, really really impressed i
0: think that's such a uh, an inspiring story and i think it's important two things one is uh, I assume this person had ambition. Yes. Right. So that's one thing. So that that it. it makes it a little easier to work with, right? Mm-hmm. When somebody actually wants to be bigger, they want to do more. And second of all, everyone who's listening, take an improv class. Like I can't. <laughs> I mean, they're they're sort of silly, they're goofy. Like you're going to be uncomfortable, like super uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but they are so helpful.
1: And you know what you realize when you do do something like that? You're probably going to survive.
0: You're definitely gonna survive. <laughs> so,
1: no, you're definitely gonna survive. You're gonna survive. You're, you're your gonna ego might not survive. Your but ego but. might not. But you're gonna be just. You're gonna be just fine afterwards. Just fine. You know. You, and this is this is the part about practicing discomfort.
0: You're you're not gonna be good though. That's a, that's the thing I want to make sure. Oh, yeah. Like this is. I, I remember when uh, Keith Johnstone. I did this workshop with him. Uh, he was like this famous improvised teacher, and like did this workshop with him in London. And he started off the workshop, Ken, and he goes, "I implore you." Please just be average. <laughs> Don't do your best. He says nobody does well when they do their best. And he goes and he goes. I'll, I'll go even further. He says if you're a bad improviser, just be a bad improviser. Don't try to be a good improviser. It's not going to work. <laughs> and I, Ken, I spent that whole week, the whole week, trying to be a good improviser. Mm. It was a disaster. <laughs> it was a disaster. I couldn't let go. Yeah. It was so. But it, like that's the thing I want to say is like, like. Put yourself out there. Do something that's like a little bit scary, a little bit outside your comfort zone, but is still within something that you want to do. Like, yeah. like you want to get, she wanted to get better at communication. She wanted to get better at like mm. the flexibility. So that, this was a very brave choice, but it was logical.
1: It was totally. And as I said, you know, she was very uncomfortable the first few times. But she survived every single one of those times. Every one of them, right? And she got, you know, again, she brought that back in and said, now she, she had a new skill to add on to her already robust skill set by embracing the discomfort and actually thinking about how to leverage it for growth. So I think this has been a great conversation. It's been a very comfortable uh, conversation, <laughs> but a growth conversation. Uh, no, I love, I love talking about, you know, setting our teams up for these moments of growth, our teams, our organizations, and ourselves. Mm ourselves by leaning into the good kinds and creating even the good kinds of discomfort, which is going to lead us into next time uh, where we talk about what, what it is we worry about. Yeah. You mentioned that, you know, what don't you worry about. I actually want to talk about what it is we worry about yeah. as leaders. Worry and how we, is so good. How do we recognize it, uh, defend against where we need to, but leverage it where we can.
0: And not let it eat our lunch. Yeah. Right? Not let it take over our lives. Right. It's going to be
1: another great conversation, Seth, as always. Really enjoyed the conversation and my tea. i always have my, my green tea for our podcast yeah, sessions that's right. uh, for listeners. That's right. uh, but thanks so much for everybody. You can find all our episodes out on all the W's. It's not personal.net yeah. on Spotify, Apple Play, uh, podcast, or wherever you get your, your podcast material. Uh, it's leave also, a comment. Leave comments. Like it. Share it. Email it. Uh, email us directly if you have something you want to ask. Uh, there's also more information on Seth's website, yep. SethRigaletti.com, including about your upcoming book, Into the Wolf.
0: Yes, uh, the book is coming out. Um, I don't have an exact date, but it should be coming out sometime around this podcast is coming out. And um, and also, like you know, I it, writing a book is really hard. I just, have I said that? Yeah. Yet? It's like really hard. <laughs> like that. it took me a long time. And, it, and, and only the first
1: hundred or hundred twenty thousand words. Yeah. Well, I that. mean, I think
0: it's, it's the volume isn't what's hard. It's the like. I said this thing one time talking about the discomfort is like going back like writing was one thing Writing on a blank page is hard. It's very scary. But then, like writing the thing and then going back in to edit it, mm. I said it, it's a. Li- it feels a little bit like you're trying to drown a cat. Like it's just like it's just like, like it's just like it, everything feels just like it's like fighting you every bit of the way. But if you can push through that discomfort, it's it's amazing. Well, it's you a, end
1: up with a better product. I mean, we know I, that editing totally. is, is key to totally. the process. But um, yeah, I can't wait to read it. Can't wait to hear more. Can't wait to talk to you again next uh, episode.
0: All right, Ken. See you soon. Thanks,
1: Seth. Thanks.